morning, everyone. It's so good to see you here this morning. I understand this is the first of a month, so while we stand, we're going to sing happy birthday and happy anniversaries. Do we have any here presently? Let's see. Oh, Joe. <laughs> and Conrad, good deal. And Deanne's here, a birthday too. <laughs> Let's start out with our happy birthdays. worship service this morning. We're going to start off with an old song, He Leadeth Me.
What a beautiful promise. You may be seated. Well, good morning. On this pretty sunny, this October fall morning, the first Sunday of October to celebrate and uh, uh, bemoan the return of pumpkin spice. <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, glad to have everybody with us this morning and our visitors and you know about giving with the giving box in the back or online if you'd like to. Uh, uh, that will remain unchanged. Uh, few announcements. There will be no singing at the guest house today, uh, just so you know. And um, for Wednesday night, I have a secret for you. You can't tell Pastor. Don't even tell Lynn, so she doesn't have to know about it. We have a card in the back for Pastor's birthday that's upcoming. It'll be his 70th. So they have a little celebration planned Wednesday night to go along with the regular Wednesday night uh, services. The, we'll still be in the back in uh, Bible study, but we'll have a little time aside to, uh, to have some uh, birthday cake with the pastor. So just forget about it until Wednesday, but, but be prepared and, and know that uh, the card is back there for you to sign if you'd like. Um, the other announcements are all the same. Uh, I see that uh, Bryce will be speaking for us in a few weeks, a couple of Sundays, so we look forward to that and uh, for the pastor's return. Annual business meeting is also coming up later this month, so be prepared for that. Uh, I think if you've got an announcement in your bulletin today about uh, making note of some names of folks if you would like to put them forward for some positions uh, to be voted on. I've uh, I picked out a familiar psalm this morning to read from, to share with you, uh, if you'd like to, uh, to follow along with me. 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. 
Father, we, uh, we thank you for being here with us this morning. We pray that you will uh, speak to our hearts today. Be with Brother Carvin as he speaks to us, brings your message. We pray that uh, we will take your words to heart today and that we will be prepared for the week to come. Uh, we'll be ready to give an answer and to give hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a song you learn through the praise team, and it's been a while since we've sung it, but I believe it'll come right back to you. If you're able to stand, why don't we do that this morning? Feel free to sit down if you're not able. It won't be an embarrassment to anyone.
only through his grace. Jesus is Lord of all. to your classes.
this morning as far as prayer requests. If uh, you have any others, please uh, please share. But uh, you have some in the uh, uh, bulletin this morning. Uh, remember the Barbara Smith family. That's uh, Lynn's family. And uh, uh, they will be uh, comforted today. Be with the... Uh, be in prayer for Betty Green, uh, continue for Pat, and uh, we're glad to have Kathy back this morning, so glad she's over her bout. Uh, we've also received an announcement about Kim Bennett this week, and um, be in prayer for the guest house residents um, as they face another round of uh, illness going through the, the nursing home. Uh, pray for our children, our youth, and uh, our ministry with other children and youth that haven't even come in the doors yet. Uh, country is in uh, dire need of prayer and change in, uh, uh, in some direction toward God. Uh, we had a, a praise uh, this morning from Kathy that uh, Aunt Ba is uh, doing better. She's going to be coming home from the, uh, her rehab time, and uh, I know they'll be glad to have her back. Please uh, be in prayer for Brother Carvin this morning as he prepares to, uh, to bring God's message to us. And... Uh, I want to add, uh, continue to remember the James Young family. Uh, he's the one that's dealing with uh, ALS and um, the family is gonna be impacted, uh, it, not as much, but, but it's gonna be tough on all of them. So we continue to ask prayer for him. Thank you.
in addition to the other requests, uh, he's also be in prayer for uh, decisions to be made and, and uh, folks to step forward to serve in the church leadership positions that are open and in need of replacement. Or and There's always leadership uh, options in the church, uh, places that you can step in and help from time to time. And uh, just encourage you to be in prayer for those as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that uh, you're here with us and uh, you've heard the requests that have been made, the, the special needs that we're aware of. Um, we know that you're aware of so many others uh, in the community that surround us, in the church family that you know about that uh, we're not even aware of yet. Father, we ask that you will be with each of these and that you will work in each situation. Uh, for those that are in mourning today, uh, those that are having to deal with change and life-changing events, those that are having to deal with uh, issues in their community, in their neighborhoods, uh, their countries at war, and, and uh, nations that are uh, in turmoil. And you know about all of those, and we uh, pray that you'll be with them this morning especially. You'll speak to the hearts of those who are in leadership positions and those who um, you've placed in power and you pray that they will do your will. Pray that you will be with uh, especially the governments and the, the peoples of the countries where we reach out with missionary assistance and uh, we've sent people to help. Um, I'm thinking of Turkey and Guatemala and South America and, and Native Americans, so many others that uh, uh, we've had uh, an opportunity to share with. And we want to remember them this morning and I pray for the missionaries that are there, that are working, and we want to pray for those that are indigenous to those countries that are stepping forward to uh, show leadership and to uh, share what they're uh, fellow countrymen and country women and we pray that you will uh, prepare their hearts and we pray that you will uh, be with them as they also uh, are ready for changes in their lives we're glad for those that are feeling better today and we pray that you will comfort those and, and be with those that are in special need of prayer. I'm thinking of Sandy this morning and others that uh, are going through uh, ongoing long-term health issues and we pray that you will continue to remember them and, and give them strength, um, give them relief from pain and uh, uh, although some cannot be here, we pray that you will be with them and um, help them to hear your voice this morning. 
All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to step away for a second, then I'm going to come back and read the uh, scripture for this morning before Brother Carvin comes up and shares his message with you. We appreciate Brother Carvin and his uh, stepping forward and helping out today. And um, also on Wednesday night, he did an excellent presentation of the work that they uh, were doing uh, when their last trip. And uh, it, was, it was encouraging and uh, gave us some ideas for where we can step up and help out also. Scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15, if you'd like to follow along. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening named Lydia was a woman from the city of Thyatira. She was a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you, Mike, for reading that scripture for me. That is a habit that they always do in uh, Latin America. When someone is to speak, they read the scripture for the the speaker, and I always appreciate it because half the time I can't pronounce most of the words in the Bible in Spanish anyway and have trouble sometimes in English. But I, I appreciate you reading that. I appreciate the music this morning and the songs that Vicki chose. Uh, she always asks me what I'm going to preach on and find songs that go along with that. I was uh, serving as interim in, Cross, in uh, Arkansas three or four years ago, and I was speaking, and I 
gave the music director my text and asked him to find music to go along with it. He said, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just sing what I want to sing. It all comes out in a wash. Had I been the senior pastor, I would have told him, that's your last time you will leave singing when I preach. I kept my composure and didn't do so. But that's like me saying, I'm going to just get up and read scripture. I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to think about it. And it all come out in a wash. But that's not the case. And that's not my philosophy in ministry. Uh, several years ago, I started receiving jigsaw puzzles at Christmas time. They were a thousand pieces. I enjoyed doing that. My mom did. I guess I might have got it from her, but I would lay all the pieces out on a large table, find the borders, the straight edges, and lock them together, and then work toward the center, you know, as the colors dictate. The last puzzle I received was from my daughter Carla, and it was a picture of a bison with Indians on it, teepees and wolves and other uh, figures. I thought, man, that is pretty. Until I opened the box. It didn't have any straight edges. It was in the shape of a bison, and you had to work from that. I like to have never got that together. And in fact, when I got it together, I took it apart and I, said, I gave it back to her. I said, now you try it. But my main concern when I was putting it together was that I will get almost finished and some piece will be missing. It will not be complete. Life is some, sometimes like that. We get all the puzzles of our lives spread out before us and we start the process, usually when we're maybe out of high school or going into college, of putting all the pieces together. We pray about it. We seek godly counsel. We uh, lock the pieces together, but sometimes we get to a point in our life, a lot of times in the later years of our lives, and realize something is missing. It's not all there. I don't have a complete picture of my life or what I should do. I consider one of the greatest disappointments in life would be, especially for me, and I think also for you, to live most of your life and get down to the latter years and discover, I never knew God's specific, specific will for my life. I never accomplished the purpose for which I was born. That's probably a question that has come to me more than any other as a, a pastor. What is God's specific will for my life? Or how can I know that will? You know, his general will is easy. If you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Follow him in obedience. Love him with all your heart and love others as yourself. But the specific will for your life. At a particular time in your life is more difficult to sometimes interpret. I see that in our text today. The text that Mike read for us. Paul, the great missionary probably my favorite character of all the scripture, he and Moses, 
excluding, of course, Jesus. But Paul, we would think, would always knew exactly what to do at a particular time in his life. But did he? According to our scripture, I don't believe he did. If you'll see the map that will come up on the overhead or the projector or whatever, you will notice that Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's left Antioch, which is north of Jerusalem, going, going up along the Mediterranean Sea. He goes to the west into Asia Minor. Timothy, his son in the faith, joins him at Lystra. They continue to go west. They're encouraging the churches that Paul and uh, uh, Barnabas had planted on the first missionary journey Paul took. His strategy for planting churches was basically twofold. First of all, he would pray. He wrote to the Colossians, pray for us that God would open before us a door for the word so that we may tell the secret about Christ. That was part of his strategy. And then the second part of his strategy, he would target the large Jewish uh, people living in the Greek culture According to Acts 17, 2 and 3, it says it was his custom. Paul went into the synagogue, and on the three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and, was ri and would rise again. We can assume that as Paul was going west, that he followed that same procedure. I'll pray about it, and I will target the large Jewish uh, communities in the Greek-speaking uh, uh, cities. But according to verse 6 of our text, it tells us that he tried to go south into Asia, and the principal city there was uh, Ephesus. That was probably his plan. Ephesus was a major crossroads of trading and it was there that Paul wanted to go. On his third missionary journey, he would actually spend two and a half years there training pastors. Stayed there more than he did everywhere else, except in jail. In verse 7, he, since he could not go down into Asia, he tries to go north into Bithynia. He couldn't. Holy Spirit, again, would not allow him to go there. So they continued to go west toward the city of Troas. In verse 6, Luke, the author of the book of Acts, writes, Paul and his companions traveled. And then verse 11 says, from Troas we put out. To see. That tells me that Luke, being a doctor, no doubt Paul had gone there and he had health problems throughout his ministry. He might have went there to seek uh, physical help. And while he was there, Luke received spiritual help and was converted and joined him on this journey. He said, we put out. And it was during the night while they were in Troas that Paul has this vision. We usually call it the Macedonian Vision And in verses 9 and 10, it says, Come over to Macedonia and help us. 
After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, and the principal city there is uh, Philippi, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Look at that word concluding. I don't know what translations you may be using this morning. Uh, mine has concluding, some has convinced, and the definition of that is that you weave together something in order to show something. In other words, it's like a fabric being woven together. It's like a puzzle where you fit all the pieces together and after you've done so, you see the whole picture. Uh, advance the slide to the uh, first. There, there, there you go. Knitting together. Uh, one of my hobbies is uh, cultural anthropology. I love to study other uh, cultures, especially the indigenous. And several years ago, I was working with a Navajo in uh, New Mexico, and also he moved to Alaska to become a missionary. We worked with him there, helped support him. And for my uh, contribution to his ministry, he gave me, and you'll see the full picture in a moment, it's not a very good picture, but in the right bottom corner, you'll see some little rolls of wool. There's white, gray, black, and there's another color. I can't make it out from up here. But my friend, he made this miniature Navajo loom that you'll see in a moment. His grandmother made the doll that you see. Go ahead, let's go ahead and go to the next slide, if you will. His grandmother made the doll sitting in front of the loom. His mom, who I had the privilege of meeting several years ago, started weaving the, what's called a two gray hill rug, Navajo rug, it's, it's the best that you can get. It comes from the four corners of uh, New Mexico. But if you look in the very bottom right-hand corner where you see the little ball, balls of wool, you don't see a picture there. You see just the threads. But if you follow them up and see where all the threads are knit together, you see this beautiful rug with this uh, geographic design that was only visible in the weaver's mind. And then it translated to her fingers as she begins to put all the pieces together. After Paul received this vision from Macedonia. He was able to see the whole picture. All the pieces were locked together. He now understood why he could not go south into Asia or north into Bithynia, but rather should go northwest into Macedonia to the city, the leading city of Philippi. Now he knows without any doubt in his mind where he was to go for all the threads of his life are knit together. Immediately, Scripture tells us, once he has this vision, they go up the northern coast towards the city of uh, Philippi. It's interesting to note that Philippi would not have been 
a city that he would pick for one reason. There wasn't too many Jews there. He'd always start his ministry with Jews. There wasn't a synagogue. We know there was less than 10 families because anytime there were 10 families in a village, they built a synagogue. Paul would have never thought about going there until the pieces fit together, until he saw the whole picture. I want to quickly give you the three characteristics of the church at Philippi to show you how important it was that Paul get there. The first is this. The Philippian church was the first church planted in Europe. Did you know that Macedonia was in Europe? Eastern Europe. Dr. Greyhouse said this, and I quote, The instant his foot touched European soil, a chain reaction set off that changed the course of Western civilization, and that, after 2,000 years, has touched your life and mine with transforming power, end of quote. In other words, after the church got into Europe, it finally went to England, which was the missionary sending country of, that, of later years. And then where did it come? It came to what we call now the United States of America. What if there had never been a Philippi? All the gospel would have got here eventually, but we don't know when. So it was very important that the church at Philippi was planted in Europe. There's a second characteristic. Church at Philippi was one of the most spiritual, possibly the most spiritual in the New Testament. If you read all of Paul's letters, he rebuked some of them very, very strong. But Philippi, no. Only one verse where he tells two women, you get your act together. Have the attitude of Christ. Evidently, there's some jealousy going on there. There's this third characteristic I see in the church at Philippi. Although it was poor, it was one of the most generous to give. 2 Corinthians 8, 1, through 2, 1 and 2 says, We want you to know, brothers, about God's grace that was given to the churches of Macedonia. In spite of a terrific ordeal of suffering, their abundant joy, along with their deep poverty, has resulted in the abundance of their generosity. Philippi was probably the only, only church that supported Paul throughout his ministry. Philippians 4, 15 and 16 says, You Philippians also know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church participated with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you provided for my needs, not once, but twice. Paul's vision of the man in Macedonia gave him very, very specific plans that God had for him. They told him where to go, told him what people to work with, told him when to go. Very specific plans. How can we understand God's specific will for our lives today? Now, if you don't want to know, go ahead and take a nap. You're not going to hurt my feelings. This is something that I think is very, very important. It is to me, and I, I think it is to us as a church. Number one, sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
These all coming out of Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. Verse 7. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Verse 9. Paul had a vision. Three different times it tells us how the Holy Spirit was leading him. When God said no to Asia, that was Paul's plan A. No doubt he went back to praying. Went back to planning. Then selected Bithynia as his objective. That was plan B. But what did God do? He stopped it. Yeah, I don't want your plan A. I don't want your plan B. I want you to follow me all the way to Troas, and there I'll let you know. Would uh, people have gotten saved in uh, Asia and Bithynia under Paul's ministry? I'm convinced they would have. But that is not where God wanted him at this particular time in his life. We can reason that if Paul had not gone to Philippi, that someone else would have taken the gospel there. Probably would have. When? It would have been at a later date. Might have been hundreds and thousands of people die without ever hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, the Philippian church took on the nature of its leader, which was Paul. And that's very, very important. It had the personality of Paul. Did Paul and his team misunderstand God when they tried to go to Asia and Bithynia? I wrestled with this more than anything else with this sermon. How could a giant of a man filled with the Holy Spirit not know God's will? Well, most Bible scholars says yes, they did miss it. After all, they were human. And spiritual giants do not always have all the answers. Even the church leaders I think it was more about timing than anything else. For Paul did later on his second or third missionary journey, spent two and a half years there in Ephesus, as I have already alluded to. But the fact that Paul understood the Holy Spirit keeping him out of Asia and Bithynia and leading him somewhere else, even though he didn't see all the pieces of the puzzle locked together even though all the threads weren't woven together giving him a total picture he knew God had something better in store for him and I think he always has something better for us also there's a second thing I would submit to you that will help us know God's specific will and it is timing Realize that every open door is not necessarily God's specific will at a particular time. Too often we have said, well, if God opens the door, go through it. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Uh, I receive as a missionary many requests to work other places. Argentina sent me a request last year. A missionary in Iraq sent me one several years ago. Wanted me to come there and, and help lead a crusade. I, Glad I didn't feel any leading towards that direction. I cannot go through every open door, even though it might be a legitimate need. First of all, I don't have the financial resources, don't have the personnel, don't have the energy, but most important, God has not called me there. 
Let me try to illustrate this quickly. Uh, in 82, I was reading in Church of God magazines about the Civil War in, the, in Guatemala. It lasted for over 30 years. 200,000 were killed, 80% of them Mayan Indians. And I got such a burden for them. I, I wanted to go there as a missionary, but, and I won't give you all the reasons why I could not go. Then later, as I was reading about the new church that had been planted in Ecuador, I got a burden for that and knew that my giftedness would be able to help them. So in, in uh, June of 91, Sandy and I met with uh, Global Missions. It called the Missionary Board then. I told them my burden. They said, we don't need anybody in Guatemala. We don't need anybody in Ecuador. We want to send you to Uruguay. I had already studied Uruguay and knew they only had about 1% indigenous people, mostly urban ministry. I, I said, that is not God's will for my life. But we accepted the assignment because we knew the timing was correct. So in March of 92, it takes a year to get fully accepted and all that. In March of 92, I told Sandy, I said, God don't want us in Uruguay. We need to pray that God will change the mind of the missionary board and send us where God wants us. So we prayed in March, April, and then in May. I received a phone call from the personnel in Anderson that overlooks Latin America. He says, Carvin, I need to come to Tulsa and see you. Some things have developed. I told Sandy, yeah. Our assignment's been changed. He said, how do you know? I said, it has been changed. It's a done deal. So we picked him up at the airport, took him back to the house. He sat across the table from us. He was over here. We were over here. And he says, the doors for you to go in Uruguay have, have closed. I wanted to jump up and holler, hallelujah. <laughs> but I sat there just fidgeting. He said, we want you to pray about going to Ecuador. <laughs> I said, Willie, if you recall, a year ago I told you God gave me a calling for Guatemala and Ecuador, and you said no. The missionary board said no, but God said yes. We don't have to pray about it. In December of 92, we left the States as the first North American Church of God missionaries to Ecuador. If we endeavored to go through all the open doors, in Uruguay for a while was an open door, or if we try to do every ministry that's out there, three things are possible. One, item A, We'll be too busy to hear the Spirit speaking to us with His specific will at a specific time in our lives. B, we may not have the time or resources to do God's specific will. And C, we may settle for God's second best. For me, and I think Scripture will bear this out, timing in ministry is as important as what ministry to do. Hey, we gone to Uruguay, I'm convinced we wouldn't have accomplished anything. Nothing. First of all, it wasn't my calling. It wasn't my heart. My heart was somewhere else. There's a third way that we can know God's specific will for our lives at a particular time in our lives. And that is the readiness to obey. Chapter 6, verse 10. 
after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave. You might want to underline that. I've got it underlined in mine. We got ready at once to leave. No need to pray about it. Just like I told Willie, I, there's no need to pray about it. I've been praying for three months. No need to make any more plans. We got ready once to leave. Look at verses 13 through 15. This is after they arrived. It says, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to some women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. You see, as God was closing the doors for Paul to go into Asia and Bithynia, he was opening the doors of Lydia's heart. And that's how the church at Philippi was started. I can only imagine, because I've had similar situations, but I can only imagine that when Paul laid down that night to go to sleep, reflecting on how God brought everything together, how all the pieces of the puzzle were locked together in place, and how the threads of the fabric were sewn together. And seeing the big picture, I can imagine him saying, Lord, thank you for closing the doors to Asia at this particular time. Thank you for closing the doors to Bithynia. And opening the doors for me to come to Philippi and plant this church. Now what should we do when we have not heard or seen the Macedonian? I'm about to drink somebody else's water. Let me get the right one here. I knew mine was open. Uh, someone had already put water up here. What are we to do? when we have not received a vision or the Macedonian vision? What are we to do when we are not sure that God is revealing his specific will? And that will be true a lot of times. We keep doing the last thing that we were sure God called us to do. And eventually, God will open up the picture. And you'll see all the pieces locked together. And there'll be no doubt whatsoever of God's specific will for a specific time in your life. Did Paul go back to Antioch when God kept him from going into Asia and Bithynia? Uh -uh. He didn't give up. He didn't go back. He kept going in the direction God initially showed him till he got to Troas and he saw the picture. All the pieces were locked together. Elizabeth Elliot, who was a missionary in Ecuador, her husband Jim was speared to death by uh, Aka Indians in 1957, I believe it was. He and four other uh, missionaries that were trying to share the gospel with them and a, a misunderstanding between his group and the indigenous caused their death. 
She uh, went and lived with them for two years, along with Rachel Saint. And through the process of them living with them for two years, that whole tribe became Christian. Even the men that speared their family members got saved. And the son, I believe it was, of a saint who still works with them, adopted the grandfather that killed his dad as his grandfather. In fact, the man just died, I think it was last year. She wrote this. When you do not know what to do, do the thing in front of you. When you do not know what to do, do the thing in front of you. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and be in an attitude of prayer. I, I imagine some of you are thinking, well, I don't need to know God's specific will. And it does not always have to do with ministry either. But let me ask you a question. Are there pieces of the puzzle still missing in your life? Is something missing in your life? It may be relationships that are torn apart. It may be the inability to work out your finances, your education, your family. Do you know, beyond any doubt, this morning, that you are doing the specific, perfect will of God in your life today? It is my desire that you will be confirmed of it. Nothing has brought me more enjoyment and fulfillment than to be absolutely sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing today. Not necessarily next week, but today. So as we stand and sing just a few verses of an invitation. If you're still trying to figure it all out, if you're not able to see all the pieces locked together of the puzzle of life, I invite you to come to a place of prayer and pray about it. If you'd like to pray by yourself, you can come to these front pews. If you'd like for me to pray with you, you can come to the altar. Whatever need you may have, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have not yet accepted his general will for your life. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit and sanctified, you have not received or received his general will either. He wants you to love him with all your heart and others as yourself and follow him in obedience. So we stand to sing, I invite you to come. Won't you stand and join with us, please, as we sing this beautiful, beautiful prayer. Open my eyes, Lord.
remember circles after the service is over and uh, please come back Wednesday night if you can let's pray Father we thank you for the message this morning uh, we know that you reveal things to us at your proper time time for the need and we pray that you will continue to speak to our hearts but that's because that's what you do we just ask that we be prepared to listen when the time is right and when the need presents itself help us to step forward uh, in your way and see how everything fits together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.